0: 20 square blocks. 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 20 square blocks. 20 square blocks. David O'Neill's journey is one woven with words. Crafting rhymes at the age of 15, he turned that skill into a thriving career in journalism and communication. After more than a decade in the business... Dave has now circled back to his roots in Ballarat. A parent of two, Dave is pursuing his dream of becoming a published author, all the while inspiring his children to always reach for the
1: stars. Yeah, so my name's Dave O'Neill. Um, I'm a Ballarat local. I was born and raised here. Um, and I work in communications for a state government project, which sounds exciting. The best way I can describe it is if you've watched Utopia that's that's who i work for um working dog working dog well i'd love to no i work for um for major road projects victoria which is very much uh yeah and the bureaucracy is it's funny how close they get on 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 utopia
0: so one of those guys is like you one of those people on the show
1: yeah i'm a communications expert i suppose so yeah i'm probably one of the spin doctors that comes in and yeah, that's moral and you're also an author well, so the reason I'm probably on this podcast is I um I have uh, recently become an author, um, which is still still getting used to saying um I'm a kids book author. Um, I put out a, a kids book called The Seagull Who Sword in in April, and um, surprisingly, it's done all right. I didn't quite have any expectations of how it go. First time authors uh, don't tend to make a big splash, but you know, we're, we're going all right. It's a, it's a book about uh, a seagull's travels along the Great Ocean Road. And so having some success selling it down in that region, of course, the wonderful people of Ballarat have been incredibly supportive. So, But you've lived in Ballarat all your life. Mm-hmm. You want to live on the Great Ocean Road? Uh, we're Probably like a lot of people in Ballarat, we we take off for the summers, don't we? So for us, it was the Murray River or the beach. And so I spent you know heaps of time down at Torquay and Lawn and Apollo Bay and um, recently... Um, we've started doing our family holidays in Warrnambool, and so it was probably yeah standing on the book. I'd been I've always been a poet, which sounds a bit unusual, and there'd be a lot of guys out there switching off thinking I don't want to hear about some Tosser who's a poet. But uh, most of my poetry was based on sport, and so that's how I got it. my career was mainly in the AFL as a communications expert, and I used a bit of poetry along the way for membership campaigns for my mighty saints. Mm-hmm. And you've always done the communications. Uh, well, not really. So I started with my working life as an yeah, accountant.
0: Let's go right back to the beginning. Okay. So
1: you were out of school. Um, what school did you go to? Went to Ballard High. Yep. Uh, proud state school man. Mm-hmm. Um, Loved my time at Ballard High. We end up at uni out, out the road at Mount Helen. Um, did accounting. Hated it from the day I started. But I, I went traveling. The idea was to go live in London and, and do the, the classic Aussie, um, you know, 20-year-old thing to do or 22-year-old thing to do is go live in London on a holiday visa. Mind I was over there and I'd been doing a bit of writing as I went around. You're not doing accounting? No, I was an accountant. But you were? I, okay. I, worked, I picked up some job somehow and um, I was working as an accountant, but had all this new group of friends. And what, I'd work, what I've worked, worked out since is this new group of friends gave me a bit of a different perspective on life. I reckon growing up with my friends in Ballarat, there was definitely an adage that I was pigeonholed. I suppose it's a long story, but the... Uh, I get to London and I work out that I've started applying my writing to things and I've done a couple of articles for The Courier who were pretty receptive to hearing about someone travelling abroad and whatnot. And a little job ad came up in this free local Aussie paper over in London, um, you know, editor wanted. And a friend sent it to me and said, oh, you'll be perfect for this. And like, I? in my head I'm like, oh, I'm an accountant, like no. But I sent them, they wanted two examples of my work as part of the, the application. I sent them two examples of my work, said I was a freelance journalist. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course so I was. Did you have a blog? No, but I had my two articles published in the courier. Oh, okay, okay, I got you, got it. And they hired me. So they never met me, they just hired me over the, over the phone, which was great. And I started working as the editor of this tiny little paper that was coming out free on a, you know, one day a week at the tube stations in London. And it was called the Australian Times. But, of course, the Australian Times sounded quite official. So, I was getting handed press passes to the Ashes, to the World oh, 2020, nice, to nice. pretty much anything that was happening, you could get a press mm-hmm. pass for. So, off we went and had a bit of a go. We turned the little paper into something that was apparently going down the gurgler and we ended up getting it profitable. And they were, So, I was just doing this in my spare time. I'd take a day off from work and... Uh, I'll take it on a lunch break and go and, and interview the Wiggles. And oh, right. They were, they were over in the UK for some reason. That's right. Anyone who turned up to the UK, you could get an opportunity to go and interview because. Was this the new Wiggles or the old Wiggles? This is the old Wiggles. This is um, Jeff and Co back in the day. Um. Anyway, so I continued through that path and quite enjoyed it, but made some horrendous mistakes. My, like I was. My ability to tell a story was always okay, but my writing ability, I'd never been trained to write. I'd never um had great exposure to it other than my own work and so the, the mistakes i would have been making would have been massive and i was the editor so that no, didn't really go through me more eyes than me um so here i was just a like i was an accountant i and i really didn't know what i was doing but i was getting these press bars to go to these events so we go to the world 2020 and i sit up in the press box at the oval and with all the other journals, pretending i'm writing my notes but our paper didn't come out for a week so i was just there for fun anyway at the end of the game they all go down i'm like i'm like where's everyone going like everyone's just upped and left and they're like oh they're going down the press conference. you better go down Uh right, so i follow them all down in the press conference, and here i'm in the press gallery with you know ricky ponny comes and sits out and so i'm sitting there and thinking oh, i'll just sit and listen you know, this will be a good experience and i thought like, get the full experience, you might as well ask a question <laughs> yeah why not so, you know in those moments in life where your heart starts racing so hard you can feel, you can hear it almost and yeah. so I'm noticing but you're putting this pressure on yourself I'm putting that pressure on myself and, and no one knows who I am so up goes the hand, I'll ask the next question and point to me and uh, manage to get the words out okay and ask him a question about the team lineup. and everyone takes their notes and I turn around and I'm like Oh, that wasn't you know I've survived that <laughs> you know and so now um, yeah, what happens if he turned around and said who the hell are yeah. you? That's what I kept thinking someone is going to do that and uh, yeah so I remember asking Brad Haddon if Graham knew who was the backup wicketkeeper how was Graham going carrying his bags because that was the does a sort of a joke about it. and Brad Haddon's in a live press conference with this very serious media around him and he just sort of gave this real like absolute get mate like as in to you yeah he didn't say that as much but he was basically dismissed the question as in I'm not here to muck around yeah it was one of those learning oh, get back in your box here you're not you're not you're a bit too big for your boots. living in London was great it was just it lived on lived on top of each other It was the six of us in a flat in a you know three-bedroom flat you know most people sharing a room like Aussies everywhere whereabouts was this in Putney. So, part of the Aussie paper we did was um, we covered the local AFL competition. So, there was an, a, a footy league in London. All oh, right. taken very seriously at times and, and not at all other times, but towards finals got very serious and very handy players because you can imagine how many... So... I started covering it, thinking this will be interesting to people ringing the Aussie paper. Yeah, of course. We'll write about the Aussie thing. The only problem is I played in one... I was playing on the weekend.
0: In the same competition?
1: In the same competition. So I just...
0: just, You tell how good you are.
1: Well, I I knew about one game, so I could write a very good report about one game, but I need to write about the other games. So I just made it up. (laughs) So I would get the score... And so I'd be making these stories up about these players kicking this match-turning goal or something. <laughs> and it was just purely made up. Because I feel like, it was just me trying to make it sound interesting, Thing eventually I'll need to submit this to someone who's, like, my resume. But it was just from fabrication. Did you ever get called out? No, but I, I did get other people wanting to know why I always mention the one player. <laughs> right. And I'm like, because I've seen him play and he's a gun. So I know how he... I don't know anyone else on that team. So he always gets a mention because <laughs> that's not a lot, you know? What team did you play for? We played for the West London Wildcats, the Mighty Wildcats. And Do you ever go, like, uh, out of nowhere, Dave Just uh, I did give myself too much a mention. I wasn't much of a footballer. So I <laughs> so eventually came home, your you, you, visa runs out... Um, and i was desperate to stay in journalism i just kept getting knockbacks everywhere i went had a couple of little leads that kept sort of the you know me looking but eventually landed an interview with a private magazine role and i so i just went to, They rang me up didn't know who they were went down for the interview and the role was to be the editor of vegetables australia right you know, the prominent vegetables across. Yeah, of course we've all dreamt of being the editor of yeah. vegetables australia it's like a lifelong dream so that
0: article on artichokes <laughs> Did you read that?
1: <laughs> it was a special one, wasn't it? <laughs> Artichokes, yeah, one of my favourites too. Um, and so I, I use that now when I talk to the kids about the book. I talked about you know my dream was to be a writer, and I got that dream, and I was the editor of Vegetables Australia, and they laughed, <laughs> thankfully. Um, and it was a laugh, like so. Friends, or like, what? What are you doing? Like <laughs> I could have earned a good living being an accountant. And here I was being a, a an editor of Vegetables Australia, but. It's one thing in life I've learned: it steps lead to other steps, and and action leads to action. And um, after a little while, I got to sort of think of the Weekly Times as potentially the next place I could get to. They had they spoke about horticulture, which Vegetables Australia was largely course, farming magazine. Makes sense. And so that. Experience made sense to them, and sure enough, a job came up as their web producer, and I went for it and and grabbed that. And yeah, then I was working the Weekly Times. But you go on from an editor to a web producer. Yeah, basically turning their stories from in the paper into the onto their web page, which was pretty easy to do. But of all, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to write, and so I just took every opportunity I could to write articles for them. And they had a country footy section, which I knew like the back of my hand, growing up playing footy and being involved in community footy circles it was a natural fit and so often on the weekends I went in my own time and followed country footy and wrote stories and features and um, got a call out of the blue to be uh, from AFL Victoria who were looking for a comms manager off I go to AFL Victoria um, uh, the AFL gig was pretty um, was the first real taste of sort of reasonable level of um, you know we'd be advising Gillen he was see at the time what you know work out what the AFL was going to say about that um, writing speeches. Um, right. Gillen's a coach. Or Gillen something. was the CEO of the AFL. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Should I know that? Oh, most people probably do. Like he's a probably. Um, if you're in a footy, he's a very sort of high profile. Right. Okay. Um, so, um, ended up at St Kilda not long after that as their head of media, and shortly after that there's a GM of communications. So, didn't know sure if I knew what I was doing, but people kept giving me jobs, so off I went. So it's a lot very long winded story. Of uh, hope everyone's still with us.
0: So you're writing all the time, so an author
1: is the natural next step. I always always hoped I'd write something one day, but I probably thought I was going to be writing a novel. I actually wrote half a novel at one stage. Do you have the end? Yeah, I've got the end in mind. I've just got to write it. So you know the end? Hmm. You know how they get there? Yeah. Just got to write it. What are you doing? Well, I've got a job (laughs) two young kids. (laughs) I'm trying to write kids books like (laughs) I'd love to. You only need another 100 hours. No, it's it's sitting there ready to go one day. But I have worked out there's a lot of people writing a book, so there's a lot of books out there. Like it's hard work. So I'm only putting a book out if it's got ability to move. Because if I'm putting something out there, it's going to cost me time and energy and some money to help fund the publishing, probably. So it's going to have to be want to be worth. I want to at least make my money back. What genre is this? It is a young that? adult, I suppose. Yeah, it's What's called. What's the name for? It? It's called Run. Good title. Yeah, thanks. It's very imaginative. No, it's uh No, it's a good title. Yeah, I thought it's short, sharp, yeah. And I, I think the story that I've written so far, I think it... I mean, I'm pretty biased, but it, I think it works. It's just... It just doesn't have a second half.
0: <laughs> you need that second half.
1: Yeah. You can't write
0: to be continued. No, 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 no,
1: no, no. So
0: tell me, is a children's book easier?
1: It's definitely shorter. What, what I've learned is that... Okay, so, so, so the answer is yes, it's easier. Yeah, it's easier. Yeah. yeah it's um because you probably just don't have to donate like writing a novel it's there's part of its real grind because you've got this you've got these exciting plot points and that but you need to link this story together and so some of it's just writing out a chapter because you need to get them from a to b and that doesn't inspire a writer so i can understand now why some writers you know, they say what writers blocking that but they've probably just reached parts where they've like unmotivated to move into a part of the story that's not as quite as exciting as where they've been or they know they've got to get two chapters before they get to the next climax. And they're like, oh, I've just got to write these chapters. But it can't be crap because then it's, you know, they their story stuck. So um, writing a kid's book, definitely, I've, I've probably written five now, written, if you like, not published. This was definitely the easiest. Was that the first or was it? Nah, no, it was the second. Yep. So I wrote one about a, a young bull named Angus called Where, Where the Grass Grows Best. And it's probably a better story than this, but it lacked a real selling point and it lacked like a market that you could definitely guarantee buyers and the first time the author you know it's going to be a challenge to get some traction you know because bookshops don't want to necessarily know you because they've got enough they're getting all these books from these popular publishers coming in what do they want to stock your book for and I knew Ballarat would help me out Ballarat people are amazing in helping each other out but um so I I was standing on the beach at Stingray Bay in Warrnambool on our holiday, chasing seagulls on the beach, and the idea just came, and I thought, this is a better idea. Like, this is if I can write a story about a seagulls journey along the Great Ocean Road, then the people in Torquay and Lawn and Polo Bay and all those places, Warrnambool, well, this story will appeal to them. Um, and the, sometimes the beauty in that is that the idea then flowed out within two days. Like, I had basically had the story written in two days.
0: Did you have to do research on seagulls?
1: I'm not being silly. Oh, I did a little bit. I must admit I didn't do a lot. Someone have asked me a couple of seagull questions and I've made up the answers because I... Oh, so don't ask you. You just make it up like you did with the um, London League. I, I did enough. Like, I'm writing a wombat story at the minute and I know wombats are awake during the night. But right. But my story doesn't work if the wombats are asleep during the day. Yeah, because, because I want him to go surfing. <laughs> right. So... So sometimes you've got to ignore a little but bit. Of can that. he be a tired wombat? It could be. And I've thought about how I weave this in, and I'm like, the kid doesn't care. The kid does not care whether that wombat's awake or asleep in the day. And yes, it, lots of books can be educational. But so no, I didn't do a lot of seagull. But I have like um. Now back to the wombat. Did is the wombat going to do a square poo? I didn't. I do know about the square poos. <laughs> my my daughter's favourite book is What Is Poo, and it is the worst book I've ever. <laughs> and in fact, now she gets it. She goes. Daddy, can we read what's what he's put? I know you don't like it. Say, some of those books are terrible, aren't they? Oh, horrendous! Well, how old are your kids? Three and ten months. What's some of the titles you got? Well, the, the one I think is the the funniest one is the bear who doesn't share.
0: Right? Is that that? Not the cranky bear, but...
1: Nah, they're very popular. The jingle, jangle, jungle books, yeah, yeah they're great. No, this is the story of a bear who makes cupcakes mm-hmm. and his friends stop by and ask him for a cupcake and he says no, so he's rude. They're a bit rude for him just knocking on the door and a cupcake. <laughs> he goes upstairs to take a nap, comes back and the cupcakes are gone. Right, so theft. He, theft, right. He rushes outside, starts accusing all his friends of taking the cupcakes. They all lie to him again. And right, say, false accusation and lying. Yep. Yeah. Then he spots his cub with the last cupcake and his cubs shared them all. Right. And he's decided he's no longer cranky that they've shared them all because he's learnt that it's good to share. And then he asks the cub to share the last cupcake. With him? With him. <laughs> <laughs> what, like, <laughs> how does that get made into a kid's book? <laughs> like, how many bad lessons are in there? But my daughter loves it. No, not that book again. I can't read that one. That's terrible. But
0: have they ever gone, no, this
1: is rubbish? No, no. are so probably a bit young. They'll probably get to the stage where they'll be like, that'll happen. Yeah, they're like, probably with my book. <laughs> How many times have you read it to your kids? Oh, enough. Yep. Um, it was popular to start with for a yep. few days, then yep. it, and then it comes back and every now and again. Can you give us a quick summary of the book? So, it's the story of Stevie the seagull, who lives at Torquay, meets a pelican named Pete, who tells her tales of adventure and says you should get to Stingray Bay, this is the place to be. As her family and friends tell her not to. Uh, she decides not bugger it, I'm off, I'm going and she um, she sets off and she heads to Bells, Angle Sea Lawn, Apollo Bay the apostles and ends up at Warner Stingray Bay. She learns the lesson that you know, you, you've know got to follow your dreams no matter what. So she ignores the advice of friends? She shugs <laughs> off the voice of doubt I would describe it. <laughs> Can I tell you a story about after I got published? Absolutely. So, so it's, book's been out about a week and I've started getting, down in Torquay, we'd put it out there and it started selling well in the bookshops and whatnot. And I get a call from the Torquay Caravan Park. Can you come over Easter and do a session with our kids? But of course I can. I'm already down there at my holiday house. We'd get, Come along. And they want to see me go out to Anglesey the next morning. So I go do the Torquay one, no worries. Sell a few books, you know, it works pretty well. Head out to Anglesey in the morning and I get there and I get out the front of this room where it's meant to be, and a kid says to me, "Are you the comedian?" <laughs> no, I'm not the comedian. Why, why is that? And he said, and his dad says, "Oh, they sent a message out to everyone in the park saying author and comedian Dave O'Neill has mm-hmm. come
0: yeah.
1: come to do a session with the kids. So they've all turned up thinking the comedian Dave O'Neill, um, who is an author as well, he's an author as well. He's here to do a tight five, and they've got me instead." And of course, a lot of the younger kids there, they could, like, they're just here. I play this game where I've got the seagulls and that. But yeah, there's a few parents there going, oh, well, we thought we might get a bit of a laugh. So I, I tried my best, but I'm not a comedian. Didn't do a tie five? I, I tried to do a few gags and the Vegetables Australia gag got a bit of a <laughs> laugh. But there are probably people there who are looking for a comedian, probably left a little disappointed. But um, another one, I, um I thought for. Real estate agents who are selling houses, they could leave that as a as a gift for their owners who've got kids. They could leave one of my books because it's a local story. You know, it makes sense. Here yeah. we go. They loved it. So, but I get this email back. Um, no worries, Dave. We'll definitely take a box. By the way, you performed at our Christmas party last year. You were great. Would have thought this email would have been a bit funnier. <laughs> Do I tell them? <laughs> you didn't tell them, did you? No, I'm too honest, my own good. I told them, but they still bought the books. I think they felt guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, um, it. You've, I've had to get right out of my comfort zone yeah. because. So I've gone to do like book events or book festivals, or and I've been doing author visits, and you get up and I play games with the kids, and I, you know, and I like the other day I was at a daycare center during book week, and I'm singing seagulls on the bus. So it's like wheels on the bus, but I'm singing seagulls on the beach, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking at myself going, "What are you doing here?" Like, but um. We go to this book festival at Clunes and I yeah. thought I was going to sell some books. There wasn't that many people buying my books, So I was like, I've got to get out here and, and have a crack here. So I went up to where the, there was a big maze and all the kids were. And I put my box of books down next to it and I stood up on a chair and I said, who likes lollies? <laughs> yeah, who likes books? Yeah. And so I got all the kids to come over and and I had a box of lollies. 15 minutes later, you're <laughs> Doesn't quite sound like the story you'd want to tell, with it? But no, managed to sell some books because the parents felt guilty after I'd entertained their kids for 20 minutes, so...
0: They're coming from all different angles. You
1: do, you got to have a go, so... How, how have the schools been around here? You had any tough sort of uh, crowds? Um, no, schools have been great. You definitely get some tough classes where the kids, like, and you feel like, yeah, I'm going to have to get my growly voice on here. The yeah. 15-year-olds don't appreciate it. Uh, no, I've only been doing uh, grade preps and ones and two. Oh, you get some tough, tough preps. Oh, yeah, yeah, What are you talking about? They're preps. Well, and it's hard to keep them engaged. So you got to, be, you've got to be right on for fifty. I'm absolutely. Grilled at the end of it I, I have that much respect for anyone who teaches preps and grade ones like that is hard yards the energy you have to bring and see i ask the kids about that what they dream about when they grow up because that's part of the like the little lesson i teach is about following your dreams and um you always get a motorbike rider there's always one motorbike rider um the other day a little girl told me she wanted to work at mcdonald's that's that's, that's actually achievable yeah um you know and then you will get a kid say i want to be a mermaid and you're like Getting a bit tougher. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um. And you know, constantly one of the boys wants to play be Lionel Messi, and you're like, well, your chances are doing that eh? do do what? Be Lionel Messi, the famous soccer player. Oh, okay. Come on, you've got to know who Lionel Messi is. No, I don't like sport. Yeah, but I don't like art. But I know who Van Gogh is. <laughs> Fair enough. No. Okay. Lionel Messi be one of the five most famous people in the world right now. I reckon he's the like the Messiah, and he won yeah. the World Cup for Argentina oh, so the right. last year, or the year before. What's her name again? What's it? Lionel Messi. Okay. Yeah. So they won't want to be Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi. Um, but there's always a lots of vets, teachers. All right. There's always one who says something along the lines of like, I want to be a paleontologist. And you're like, <laughs> probably the biggest word they know. Yep, of course. Of course. Yeah, people want to work at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And like that's a noble dream. Aim a bit high. Aim a bit high, yeah. Read the seagull and the sword. Yeah, aim a bit high. <laughs> Where do you want to soar? What's your yeah. big goals? It's a good question. I, I've definitely got more stories in me and not just kids' books. Um, like I, if I ever get a second, I'm probably not finishing off the novel. I want to write a, like a, a story for seven to 10 year olds about, um, a, like a caravan park setting. I feel like that's an iconic Australian, you know, that possibly would resonate with and about a, a big water fight at a caravan park where the kids, the kids, the back of the park and the front of the park are going to war, but they they end up actually blown with the caravan park that's down the road. You know, that's sort of like the yeah, right. twist towards nice. the end. And so, like, that's what I want to have a crack at. And I've definitely got a few more kids' books. I've got a book that I've, uh, it's almost written called Wombats Can't Surf. And I feel like that could be yeah. a bit more catchy than – you know, it could be a story that has broad appeal and, you know, might sit on the shelves of more than people than just live down the coast. Um, but I like writing the stories and visiting the kids. I don't love selling it, so – I'd like to get to a stage where I've got a book on the shelves that, you know, like a, a traditional publisher is... Yeah, but even those people have to go and sell it. Absolutely. Now,
0: bookshops, it becoming less and less a thing. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the sales are still there, but they've got to find other ways of actually getting it out there.
1: That's true, but I think, like, so I'll probably rephrase that Then it's probably more, I don't necessarily need to make the money. It's not like um, it's ever going to be a money thing, um, but to have... Um, to have a book that, you know, would be most people would know of, even if they don't have it, they've probably heard of it. That would be probably pretty cool. I've got to ask you, how do we get this? Well, that's a good question. The the Ballarat bookshops have been amazing. So you can get it at both Collins Booksellers in Ballarat, but it's also at like Little Square Garage. The Brown Hill Post Office have sold about 50 copies. Yeah, right. They've been amazing supporters of mine. Um, country and Vintage Babes near in the arcade near my here. I'd love for people to go and buy them because they when as soon as i put this book out they bought 20 copies and said we'll sell this for you and they paid up front which is like not traditionally how bookshops operate they pay after you sell them and so if you can go and get this book from them it'll help me thank them because that sort of support when you're starting out is incredible so that might be the place to go and online and online yep but go go to a bookshop they need our help
0: Thanks for listening to 20 Square Blocks. If you like the show, please do the things that podcasts ask you
1: to do like, subscribe, review, and most importantly, tell someone you know. Thanks
0: to my guest, Dave O'Neill, who lives eight blocks to the northeast of me. Original music by Ryan Goodwin. For more of his work, check out virtuallyryan.com. Additional material written by Ann Mearson. Editing by the unlettered Ricky Chenow. And thanks to h Studios for the use of their studios. I'm Ben Plaza and this is 20 square blocks.